Welcome to Senior Straight Talk with Phyllis Heyman, a collaborative podcast with Pass It On Network. This program is brought to you by all of Community Services. Seniors deserve to have a fulfilling life with dignity and respect, but as we transition into our elderhood years, this doesn't always happen. Join us today as we discuss some of the most important issues that seniors face and provide much-needed answers to your questions. Now, here is Phyllis Amon. Welcome to Senior Straight Talk, presenting informative conversations for the senior years of our lives. I'm Phyllis Amon, your host. The show, which began in September of 2019, was formerly known as Voices for Elder Care Advocacy, and the library of all of the episodes can be found on the Voice America Empowerment Channel under the name Senior Straight Talk. And they can also be downloaded on popular podcast platforms. The show is also syndicated on the Voice America Influencers Channel. So please remember to like, click, and share the episodes. For those listeners who are in what I call SOS mode, stressed, overwhelmed, and stretched, watch out for my free Caregiver Distress Recovery Challenge helping caregivers find a path to bringing much needed self-care into their daily routine. It features empathy, my registered trademark, which is also the basis of a self-care commitment letter and teaches strategies from my proprietary framework for self-care, self-kindness, self-compassion, and self-forgiveness. Strategies that will definitely help you feel recharged and re-energized as you face life's challenges. Family members considering taking on the role of caregiver or those just beginning the caregiver journey can find information in my course, A Caregiving Guide for Caregivers, The Basics. It will be available once again in the near future on a new platform. My latest book, Think Big, was released May 17th on Amazon. It features my story and my big vision about how to shift our ideas about aging and older adults and the value they have in society and in our lives. I'm very proud to have my story in this book featured alongside the iconic and legendary Brian Tracy, entrepreneur Bob Bodine and many others. The book is published by Kyle Wilson, president of Jim Rohn International. So I hope you'll grab a copy on Amazon. The many stories included in the book can inspire and motivate you in your business and positively impact your personal growth and development. My book, Dignity and Respect, Are Our Aging Parents Getting What They Deserve, is available on Amazon in both paperback and ebook formats. The book addresses critical information about how we care for and treat elder citizens in our families, communities, nursing homes, and assisted living residences across the country. I'm honored that Bill Thomas wrote the foreword for the book. So I hope you purchase a copy and encourage your friends and colleagues to do the same. I appreciate your support and I hope you'll spread the word on this all important topic. Senior Straight Talk is proud of the collaborative partnership with the Pass It On Network, a global peer learning network for positive aging advocates and a member of the United Nations Open-Ended Working Group on Aging. Senior Straight Talk and the Pass It On Network continue bringing listeners informative conversations for the senior years of our lives. And now I'd like to introduce today's guests. 
For 40 years, he's been studying consumer behavior and trends, first as an advertising executive on Madison Avenue, and then as an interactive marketing pioneer. And for the last 20 years as a futurist and the nation's leading authority on boomer consumers, He's advised companies and organizations around the globe, including Walmart, Google, AARP, Procter & Gamble, Verizon, and the Social Security Administration. And he's delivered memorable keynote addresses at national conferences and company events across dozens of industry sectors. You may have seen him providing commentary on NBC Nightly News, CBS Evening News, CNN, CNBC, and PBS. He's appeared in articles in the New York Times, Washington Post, Los Angeles Times, and countless magazines. A serial entrepreneur, he left his think tank and consulting to create and build a new type of community of smaller homes for middle-income boomers at this stage of life called Cozy Home Communities. He's addressing the largely unmet need of affordable housing and community living that encourages social connector, social connections with neighbors helping neighbors. And you can find more information about these communities at CozyHomeCommunity.com. He's also launched the Openly Gray Movement, a nonprofit fighting age discrimination by encouraging older adults themselves to change how they think, feel, and act about growing older, change our attitude, and change our culture around aging. So I'd like to welcome Matt Thornhill to Senior Straight Talk, and I encourage listeners to join the movement at OpenlyGray.org. So Matt, it's so great to have you here again on Senior Straight Talk. And I'm so glad you had the time to give me, especially because today uh, my blog was about, are we really caring for older adults in our country in the best possible way, in the most ethical way? And, and you know, can we do better? And you kind of, you have a solution that I just love when I first heard about it. So I'm thrilled that you could be here to talk about it. Well, thanks for having me. I, th I think we're becoming a thing, Phyllis. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I am trying to uh, come up with a, a small solution for a small part of the whole senior living sector. Uh, there are many elements to it. I'm just trying to deal with one part of it. And, uh, and I think it, it can meet a need, a very significant need that we see out there in the marketplace. And that's uh, middle income people. Right. You know, there's there's um, senior living options that are available for folks out there who uh, qualify based on um, income limitations, affordable housing that the government helps fund and Medicaid, and Medicare help fund. Um, and then there's product for the high end of the market. You know, the, the richest of the rich, those life plan communities or continuing care retirement communities with their several hundred thousand dollar entrance fees and the $4,500 and up a month, um, you know, monthly fee to live there. But there's very few options for people that are kind of in the middle that can't qualify. They make too much money through their pensions and, and savings to, to qualify for the affordable housing. And there's no way they can afford the high-end product. Right. 
Right. And so, um, and you know, as we said right before we started that um, nursing homes are kind of an, I'll say a niched part of the market in a way. Um, Although it doesn't seem that way because most people think of nursing homes as like the solution besides assisted living, right? But it's really a niche part of the market. There are only a million older adults living in, and they're not all older adults, I have to correct myself. Uh, there are people in their 40s and 50s, and some even younger, depending on their circumstance, what's happened to them, right, situations. But for the most part, people identify nursing homes as being the place where one transitions to as an older person, right, kind of waiting out their days, so to speak, right? Exactly, exactly. I mean, the model that has developed over the last 40 years, really, is this uh, model where you come in and, and from maybe... You, as you get to be 55 and older, maybe you consider go living in an age-restricted community that's active adult. Right. There's no services provided. It's just a bunch of older people who want to live together, which to me doesn't make sense because I like young people. Why would I not want to live with any young people? But anyway, <laughs> right. active adult is a whole sector that's out there. And then the evolution of, of nursing homes. I mean, nursing homes really started about 100 years ago when um faith-based organizations would start homes for widows and orphans. Correct. And, and uh, it was a place for the widow to kind of live out her life and be, be taken care of. And those businesses evolved in the 80s when someone said, you know what, we can turn this into almost a life insurance product by having you pay us up front some huge fee, sell your house and give us all the money, and we'll take care of you through every stage through the rest of your life. Right. So the first stage, of course, is independent living. Then assisted living when you need a little bit of help with your uh, activities of daily living, and then maybe end up in memory care. And at the end of your life, you end up perhaps in skilled nursing, if not before nursing homes, as you would call it. Um, and then maybe hospice. And, and that's the life plan community or continuing care retirement community that has now existed for, you know, pretty much almost 40 years. Um, and what I'm trying to do is not, not address all of that. What I see is an opportunity in the marketplace with middle-income people and specifically middle-income boomers. Right. And this idea, it's called cozy home community. And it's called cozy home because the homes themselves are not tiny homes, but they're smaller homes than you, the typical person has today, you know, 2,500 square foot home. These are 1,400 square foot homes, two bedrooms, two bathrooms. We have them configured with a master and a spare or two masters right? so that you can have a roommate situation. And the idea is to take these homes and put them in and build them in such a way so that people have their own single detached house. They're not living in a big, you know, um, building with a long hall and a bunch of apartments down the hall. You live in your own house and you put eight of these homes together on an acre and we call that a cozy home colony. And we put a ninth building in the middle that's a, got a couple of spare bedrooms and some meeting space and a, maybe a galley kitchen for gathering for the, that colony. Right. So those eight homes are in what's called a pocket neighborhood or a cluster neighborhood. And the idea is the eight people actually know each other. Maybe right. not when they move in, but we're going to do some things to facilitate them getting to know their neighbors because knowing your neighbors helps form bonds and helps form community. Correct. The deal with living in a cozy home community is we want you to, we want to inspire you to sell your home. Don't live by yourself out 
out in the woods or in suburbia just by yourself or with your spouse, come live with other people and go through the stage of life together, right. supporting each other. So we want to make sure that you know you're moving into, we call it intentional community, where a requirement is for you to be a citizen of the community. And citizens comes with rights and responsibilities. Right. So one of the responsibilities is, is as long as you're able, you have to volunteer 12 hours a month to the community. Hmm. And that 12 hours can be simply uh, joining someone for a meal or maybe going grocery shopping for somebody or going with them to a doctor's appointment. Or maybe it's helping take care of the, of the property hmm. and provide some services to the community. And it's all predicated on research that's been done that says, you know what, we are more than willing to help each other as human beings, but people who need help are reluctant to ask for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you set up this model, and it's, it's already exists, the time bank model, where I've got deposits and withdrawals in this time bank. I, I've got hours that I make available, and here's the skills that I have, and things that I can do, and you've got needs. And when we set up that kind of everybody benefits model, everybody asks for help, and everybody's willing to give help. And part of what drove me to say that has to be part of this community is when I look at the demographic data about boomers, Boomers at this stage of life, and now they're in their late 50s through mid 70s. Okay, that's the age range of the boomer generation. Right. So they're not quite ready for the old age home, most of them, but they shouldn't be living independently on their own. They should be living intentionally in community. So, and especially, and I just want to jump in there for a minute, if that's okay, that it's also been proven through lots of research about the impact of isolation and loneliness. So this is really a, a, a great solution to that. It's, it's kind of like neighbor helping neighbors. Um, philosophy. It, it very much, it very much is. And uh, the data says that 40% of boomers already at this stage of life, 56, 57 to 75, don't have a spouse or partner. Right. Four out of 10. Now, that sounds like a big number, but when you put it into perspective, 20 years ago, when the last generation was this age, it was only 25% didn't have a spouse or partner. Right. And there's more boomers than there were of the prior generation. So now we've got, got this huge influx of people that don't have a second income. They're not going to have a second social security check, and they don't have a, a caregiver in the house to begin with. Right. So who's going to take care of them when they get older? And the answer is, well, we're going to have to find a way to live together and take care of each other. And I, you, you remember the Golden Girls model. Right. Let's buy a house. But nobody's building houses where five women can can co-own a house. And right. Correct. But, you know, I was thinking as you were talking, um, and I think I mentioned this before when we had a conversation, that as people are aging and maybe do need some care and maybe the people in their community aren't able to help with that care, if they do get care from the community, right, like a home health aid or whatever, there are other eyeballs that are watching because I have found, and I know many people where this is an issue. I'm not saying that this is a pervasive problem, but I've certainly heard of many instances where either a family finds out about some things that have happened or a neighbor is alarmed by some things they see. So this in a way addresses that issue. It's like um, 
a, commu a community for senior services that that um, whereby people can oversee or watch out for one another. Yeah, well, you've heard the expression, it takes a village to raise a child. It takes Correct. a village to, to take care of older adults. Right, absolutely. You know, we all are going to have a, a role or a responsibility in that. So we're trying to just create a, an intentional opportunity for it. And quite honestly, Phyllis, the idea was kind of rattling around in my head. And I remember having conversations with, with uh, oftentimes with women my age, I'm, I'm say 62, maybe this is about five or seven years ago. And they're in their late 50s. And they're like, you know, my girlfriends and I have decided we all want to live together during our, our golden years. Um, and our husbands like each other too. So we're going to buy up a bunch of homes on a cul-de-sac. Oh, or, You know what? We're going to go take over a, a wing of an independent living facility. And we're going to live there and live, take all, all my sorority sisters or all my girlfriends from growing up or all my neighbors. We're all going to go do that. And I'm thinking, it's like, that's a great idea. But why don't somebody just build that in general? Right. So that those folks who are isolated and living alone and think, okay, well, what are my options? I, I can't afford to go to the senior living products that are out there today. I guess I'll, I'll move to a condo and I may or may not get to know my neighbors. Right. A townhome or maybe an apartment building or maybe one of these active adult places. There'll be other people my age, but I, I still, it'll be happenstance if I get to know them. Correct. Unless it's, I love this word intentional, unless you're really approaching it in an intentional fashion, right? And yes, we, we are. And it's, it's interesting. There are, one of the, the problems I see in the senior living sector today is the senior living, the, they call themselves communities, but they're not really communities. They're, they're care facilities. Right, exactly. <laughs> levels of, of care. But even in the community aspect of it, um, they, they don't, they're not intentional about asking people about, well, tell us about you. When they interview you, it's all, let us tell you about the services we can provide. And why don't you tell us about your health care issues so we make sure we've got that covered. It's not about what role are you going to play in this community? Right. How are you going to change how this community is defined? Um, and again, we just saw that as an opportunity. It's like, let's be intentional about, about finding ways to connect people. And, and create places where they want to go move to as opposed to have to go move to. Yeah, I love this, uh, this idea of asking people. So it's, it's really beyond person-centered caring, which is finding out what a person's interests, needs, likes are, and then supplying the environment or the care to meet those. But it's beyond that. It's what are you going to do what are your contributions? What are your capabilities, your talents, your interests that you can bring to the table for other residents or for the community at large? I mean, I see this in nursing homes. There are so many times where I'll say, you know, uh, why don't you have this resident? Uh, actually, uh, I'll tell you a little story. It was several years ago. I was covering uh, in a facility and um, this uh, it was the, the woman's husband. He loved history and he was uh, especially history of New York. And he was always asking you some trivia question. And, you know, sometimes you knew and, you know, I'm from that area. So I knew more than some other people who weren't even from this country necessarily, but he loved it. And I had suggested, why don't you have this guy run some kind of little trivia class for 
for residents who are interested. And the guy's here every day for hours. Why don't you utilize what he brings to the table? But nobody wanted to do that. People don't have that mindset. So I love this mindset. What are you bringing in? What are you going to contribute? Right. No, that's exactly what uh, these places should be doing. Um, There was a point I was going to make, but it went out of my feeble. I'm sorry. But that's all right. Um, One of the things that we are going to do is, oh, I know what I was going to say. The problem that senior living has is that one of the first things is that they think age is an affinity. By being the same age, you have something in common with everybody else. And you know, and I know from folks who go and tour the uh, senior living facilities and communities, they turn and say to their kids, who, their adult children who brought them there, it's like, I, I don't belong here. I don't want to live with a bunch of old people. <laughs> so age is not an affinity. So the next step down is there are communities out there that are trying to form around, around affinity, uh, but they tend to narrowly define it. I mean, one of the popular ones is an active adult community down in South Carolina and Florida called Latitudes. It's based on Jimmy Buffett's song, Margaritaville. Right, right. They're all parrot heads, is the expression. And they wear Hawaiian shirts and drink, you know, margaritas all the time. And that's fine. And that's a lifestyle. And lifestyle is a great way to do an affinity. But even within that, you know that people are multidimensional. Right. You know, my parrot head lifestyle is only part of who I am. I happen to also be really interested in photography, or I'm really interested in cooking, or I really like classical music as well, or, or I like accounting. I mean, who knows what people like? There's <laughs> lots of different affinities. There's no accounting for what people like, right? Exactly, exactly. So our approach is not so much to get caught up in, in uh, affinity, but going back to what makes a neighborhood a neighborhood in the first place is that people move in and they go through life together. Right. And over, the, over time, they get to know each other and they have shared experiences. And they, that knowing of each other, knowing who they are, they form a kinship. And that kinship can survive when people move out of the neighborhood. They're still friends with their old, old neighbors. So we're thinking, okay, how can we create that kinship on an accelerated level? And it's actually very easy to do. It's basically ask people to tell them their story, to to profile who they are, their background, their their likes, their dislikes, almost like if you were doing Match.com or eHarmony, not quite on the whole compatibility issue, or if you were a a college freshman trying to figure out who's a good dorm roommate, what tools do colleges use to help match people up? And it's basically, you know, are you a night owl or are you a morning person? Right. What kind of music do you like to listen to? What was the best vacation you ever had? And we've got to develop, have developed a profile that essentially accelerates this kinship development. And it's based on science. And we have everybody fills out their own profile and it's printed up as a, as a document, as a little brochure about them that they give to their neighbors. It doesn't exist on the internet. No one can access it. It's only available in printed form that you give to your neighbors to kind of reveal who you are and they give you theirs. So what happens is the eight households that live in that colony, almost within days, know enough about each other to have conversations. It's not simply, oh, that's Jerry, my next door neighbor. I I just recognized the picture because I saw the picture on the brochure. No, it's like, 
you know what, Jerry grew up in Kansas and I grew up in Nebraska. We should talk about corn. Right, right, right. Or whatever it may be. Correct, correct. Um, you know, Susie is the youngest and uh, my, I had a youngest sister named Susie and she was a handful. I'd love to go talk to Susie. Right, right. So it's, it's nothing, it's not brain surgery here. Uh, I, agree. I agree. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, we're just trying to be intentional in creating that kinship, which creates community. I, I agree. And I, as you're talking, I'm thinking of all of the um, circumstances that I know of in, let's say, a traditional nursing home environment where people just move in, are moved into a room, I'll say, because that's where there's an empty bed. And they need to fill that bed. And then people don't know who's coming, who this person is. And it could be, by the way, one person could be 85 and the other person could be 40. And uh, sometimes there are issues uh, that, you know, crop up. Just like you said, somebody is a night owl and somebody, um, you know, somebody goes to bed at seven o'clock and, you know, that has to be reconciled. And there are sometimes, you know, tremendous incompatible, incompatible incompatible issues sorry sorry there's a phone ringing in the background because i'm in an office and i can't shut that phone off i don't know how to do that actually um because i'm in this nursing home as i'm doing this um as we're doing this recording so you know these are these are issues that come up and and um you know it's sometimes it's uh it's very difficult and then i'm just thinking when there's a situation like in this nursing home where I am and there are compatibility issues and, but all of the beds in the nursing home are full, uh, it's difficult to move people around. Maybe somebody else doesn't want to move. I mean, the, these things, in my opinion, should be approached in a, in a more intentional way to find out about people because otherwise people are just thrown together and that's certainly not ideal. But we're gonna come back on Senior Straight Talk in a minute and continue this conversation about cozy home communities, which I just think are the best things going. So we'll be right back on Senior Straight Talk. Phyllis Amon, owner of Phyllis Amon Associates, provides strategic solutions to families seeking care for their loved ones and coaches them to become more effective advocates. Her expertise comes from working in over 45 nursing homes. Phyllis, known for her passion, empathy, high quality care standards, and quality life for older adults, is an experienced educator, speaker, and trainer. She's bridged the gap from healthcare to public and private sector businesses on topics from communication, caregiving, empathy, and novel approaches to team building and leadership. You are tuned in to Senior Straight Talk with Phyllis Heyman. If you'd like to leave us a question or comment about our program, please feel free to email the host at phyllis at seniorstraighttalk.com. Now back to Senior Straight Talk. Welcome back to Senior Straight Talk. I'm here with Matt Thornhill. We're talking about cozy home communities. And uh, Matt, I wanted to ask you now that we're coming back to break. So what kind of services, if people are wondering about moving into a community like this and they need services or they're in, they think they will need services down the road, what, what is their experience in terms of services that are available or provided? Uh, great question, Phyllis. So our whole design of Cozy Home Community is based not on kind of how senior living is done today, but how we envision it being done five, 10 years in the future. 
And actually COVID, as much of an issue it's caused for the whole senior living sector, COVID has been a great accelerant to get senior living to look at, well, what's the future gonna look like? I mean, they knew that eventually, we all knew eventually we'd embrace telehealth. We didn't know it would take place in a matter of a couple of months. Right. Eventually people would get grow comfortable with groceries being delivered or, or the pharmacy delivering to your doorstep, but, and that happened overnight. So a lot of the things that we thought we were eventually get to, we got to already, which is great. And one of the things that we see as the future of senior living is this, there isn't going to be a need to be living in a senior living community to be taken care of as you grow older. The whole movement out there is called aging in place. Right. Everybody wants to grow old in their home. And that's the top answer in any survey you see about where do you want to live in old age? In my home. And that's that's great. But providing those services is is going to happen and technology is going to help that happen and all sorts of different tools. But it's cost, it's very costly for a provider to deliver those services because eventually in senior care, you're going to need hands-on. Right. You're going to need to touch people. The robot can't do it. You're going to need nursing, visiting nursing. You're going to need all that kind of stuff. So it's really expensive for a provider to offer that if they've got a nurse who's going to five different homes that are, it's a 20 minute drive between each home to get to the residence. And it's going to be costly to the resident, to the the homeowner who's trying to bring in these services because it's expensive for the operator to provide it. So what we're doing is we're we're going to make it easier for an outside operator to bring services in because we're going to aggregate a bunch of older adults into a community. The Cozy Home Colony, we put three, five, eight, ten colonies together. The ten colonies, you've got 160 residents living on a 15-acre lot. It's not hard to bring outside services in. So our model is based on essentially senior living being delivered as a service on demand as needed to people who live in in our cozy home community. We're not going to have 24-7 services as provided by the community in general. We're going to bring them in on an as-needed basis for folks. So to facilitate that, one of the services that we're going to provide in the community to get them started it's essentially a role that uh, you might call it a care coordination, but we're thinking broader than that. Essentially, they're going to be almost a concierge or a curator of services that the, the people who live in the Cozy Home community might want to access from the broader community. Maybe it's a yoga instructor, right. maybe it's a hairstylist, maybe it's somebody to come trim their pet's hair and toenails. All of those services out there from lawn services to um, handyman services, whatever it may be, are available in a broader community, but we're going to curate them, find the ones, and even negotiate pricing that says, hey, here's some services we can use. Oh, shoot. Wait, 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 wait. Ah, shucks. I couldn't shut that off. Sorry. You can, you can do a quick edit. <laughs> yes, we'll do a quick edit, right. Uh, Sorry. So so even, for example, we're not going to have food service necessarily in the community unless the the owner of the ultimate community wants to operate it that way. But it's not hard to arrange these days on restaurants that have off nights, like a Monday night or Tuesday night to say, look, Tuesday night is uh, Italian night at our cozy home colony or cozy home village. And we've arranged with a local restaurant who's going to bring in, you know, lasagna every Tuesday night. And it's seven dollars a plate. 
and it's a cost-effective way to, to do food service without having to have a kitchen and a staff and manage the inventory of the food and all of that. Just tap into the resources that are there. And we're DoorDash delivers, you know, so it's not hard to find these things now. So we're, we, you know, it's the old uh, analogy of why Wayne Gretzky was such a good hockey player. Is he said, I skate to where the puck is going. Right, right. So we're going to where the puck is going and that's senior living delivered as a service. And we're going to provide those services through our curator. And ultimately we'd like a citizen in the community to take on that role. We'll do it initially. Yeah. We're going to train and, and provide a book, if you will, to the, to the curator who says, yeah, that'll be my 12 hours a month. I'll curate services for folks. So that's one of the roles. Two other roles we're going to have. The second is we want somebody to essentially be the um, the one who brings the community together, who manages the, we'll call it the soft assets of the community, the connector, mm-hmm. the person who knows who's moved in, who knows who lives in colony A versus colony B, who essentially helps make sure and facilitates that we are helping each other and serving each other. So that that's a key role. And then the third role is someone who is essentially overseeing the caretaking aspect of the of the hard assets. Right. The assets of the community. And again, those three services we will provide initially, but we want to eventually train residents in the community to do it because like you talked about that man who could come in and, and do trivia classes, that would have given him a purpose. Oh, absolutely. He loved having, it. Having purpose helps you live a long, longer and more productive life. So we're, we're borrowing from what we see in the co-housing movement we're borrowing from what happened back in the 60s when there was communes, you know, and now that we're boomers and in our 60s, let's live in a commune, you know, let's go live together and help each other through this stage of life. You it's know, I hadn't, sorry, I, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I hadn't thought of it. You're right. I mean, we grew up in communes. I mean, we, there was, uh, during the era of communes, right? There were so many of them. Right. And um, th- this does, this does harken back to that in a way it's it's I mean it's really a brilliant idea so are there any of these communities that are uh, uh, breaking ground or that are being built or created uh the answer is a qualified yes we uh I've discovered actually now that I'm a real estate developer which I wasn't before but uh I've discovered that real estate takes a long time to get going because you got to get zoning and permitting and the local municipalities all of that. So we've got projects that we've been in various states of go for about a year, uh, but we won't be breaking ground on the first one until either later this year or early 2023. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have six different projects across the country that we hope to have going at some point in 2023, from a small one that's only going to be 11 homes on one, one colony to one that's going to be 10 colonies ultimately in St. Louis. So we've got different projects. And our, our goal is not to, to operate the business. We're just trying to bring the, the concept to the market and, and wrap the programming around it and our, our shared responsibility model of how we're going to take care of everybody. And that's all packaged up as our, as our content, if you will, and they license that from us. And we've partnered with senior living operators to bring it to the market. So there's a senior living operator in Pennsylvania, for example, who's got land and he's already operating traditional senior living and he wants a middle market product. So we're going to bring the product, we're going to build it for him, and then he's going to take it over, you know, we'll hand him the keys 
and he will buy it from us, just like you would buy a house from a builder, and they'll take out a, you know, a 30 or 40 year mortgage on it to, to pay it, and it'll be owned and operated by them going forward. That was my next question, which is, you know, who purchased, how are these purchased? So is it, so would individual people be able to purchase these individual homes, or it's going to be more like a community? Uh, it's the, the answer is the community itself will be like the, the equivalent of a homeowners association that'll own the common land and such. It, it's almost more like a townhome model where if you, if it's for sale, you're going to buy the house and the lot that your house is on, but the community at large will take care of everything, all of the external stuff. Uh, but there's also going to be a rental model. Hmm. And my goal from a, a rental standpoint is that two bedroom, two bath, I want the rental number to come in around $2,000 or as close to that as I can. A month? So, a month? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. And if it's a for sale, the price is going to be $300,000 or less, uh, depending on where we are in, in the country and, and cost of land and all those other factors. Hmm. So what is the smallest, um, the smallest parcel of land that this could be built on? Well, we can put a single colony of eight homes on an acre. Okay. The first project we're doing in Minnesota is 1.8 acres. We're building 11 homes on it and just making it one single colony because that's what makes the most sense. And in Minnesota, we're, we're building two car garages for everybody because you can't not have your car in a garage in Minnesota. Right. In, I don't know, 11 of the 12 months of the year. Right. So, <laughs> Exactly. So um, would you say that because many of the issues that have come up about caring for older adults is that the number of older adults that are going to need care is obviously ever increasing, right? Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the over 65 demographic is the largest demographic that's increasing. The over 65 population will outnumber the under 18 by 2035. It might be 2034 now. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, but how are we going to provide care for these people when a lot of these, so these communities that you're talking about really have a limited number of people, and yet the number of people that are going to need care is going to be ever increasing? Well, like I said, I can't solve the problem for everybody. Right. Uh, I wish that there were, you know, five years from now, there are, you know, 200 cozy home colonies around. That still wouldn't meet the need. Right. But there was a national study done by the National Investment Center, which tracks things in senior living. And they projected that by 2030, the unmet need, unmet need of housing, people who need to live in some sort of senior supportive housing who are middle income was eight to 10 million people. Oh, wow. Now, you said a little while ago, the number of people in nursing homes is about a million people. Well, the number of people in any type of senior supportive housing in America today, from independent living all the way through memory care and skilled nursing, from the poorest of the poor to the richest of the rich, it might be three million, three million people. About. Yeah. So when you think about, wait a second, the market right now, as big as it is as a sector, has only got three million people staying with them. And the unmet need is eight to 10 million in just eight years. Wow. So this is, we're going to have people in their seventies living under bridges, quite honestly. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it is a tremendous problem that really isn't, uh, it really isn't being addressed um, 
Now there is a, a community I just read about it the other day. I think I sent you an email about it in Tennessee. It's right. memory care community that's mm -hmm. um, being developed. So, you know, the question is not only are there, is there going to be an unmet need for people who just need maybe help with what we call activities of daily living, ADLs, which may be dressing, movement, bathing, eating, but then there are the people that have memory issues. And that number is also ever increasing. There's a, a person every 65 seconds in the United States diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. And that number is just, you know, continuing to grow. So uh, that's a whole other part of the market that's separate from this in a way. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not building memory care units or right. memory care communities. Could cozy homes be used in a memory care community? Sure. Um, it's just a housing unit, quite honestly. So there's lots of ways it, it could be used. Uh, quite honestly, people have talked to me about uh, why don't we build these for, for veterans? Or why don't we build these for you know young people, Gen Zs and millennials who as a first home community? And of course we should. All of those things are, are possible, uh, especially because people want to live, a lot of people would like to live in community. Others don't, but those who do, it's by happenstance. Well, let's take the happenstance out. Let's make it intentional. Right. I love it. I think it's really fantastic. And the reality is there are so many places, even in... Um, I'll say semi-urban areas where mm -hmm. there's a, a plot of land that's an acre that that isn't being used, right? Yeah, yeah. And there was an article in the Wall Street Journal today, Phyllis, talking about America doesn't know how to build affordable housing anymore. And, sure. and the reason that they don't is that developers want to maximize the money they can make in building a home, but also the local municipalities want to maximize the potential property tax they can earn. Right from having those McMansions on the property. So no one's building for the for the middle income. So there's a huge unmet need, forget the older adults, just in general for middle income. And if we can show that there's a way to do it and, and that people want to move into, who knows, maybe we'll turn everything up on its head. Hey, that's my kind of talk. I love that. So on that note, we're going to end for today. Thanks so much, Matt. And like you said, I think we're becoming a thing. So we'll have to think about taking this up another time, right? Continuing the conversation. Maybe when you break, you actually break ground and there's a community, maybe we should have another conversation about how that's going. Well, I, will, I didn't mention this, but one of the aspects of the homes is the homes are actually going to be, be built in factories around the country. Oh, wow. They're all modular homes. They're, they're built just like they would be built on site. They're just built indoors and then transferred to the site and craned into place. Well, when that first one is craned into place, that's an event in that community. Absolutely. So we're going to have publicity around that. And I think that, that would be a perfect time for us to talk again. Absolutely. And um I, I wanted to say or ask you if there's any contact information you want to uh, provide so that listeners, if they want to find out more about Cozy Home Communities, there's a place for them to go to get the information. Well, of course, they go to CozyHomeCommunity.com. Uh, that's easy. That's that's pretty easy to remember, right? Cozy Home Community. That's with a Z. CozyHomeCommunity.com. Okay, perfect. Well, thanks again, Matt. I really appreciated it and enjoyed the conversation as always. 
This is Phyllis Amon signing off. Please remember to like, click, and share the episodes. And until next time, stay safe, stay well, and stay tuned. Thank you for listening to Senior Straight Talk. Join your host, Phyllis Amon, again soon for another episode on the Voice America Empowerment Channel or your favorite podcast platforms.